All right, so the first thing we've learnt is that youth Ben still thinks it's funny to call people. Uh, the second thing we've learnt is that like five sparrows worth two pennies, right? I was just thinking this then. Many sparrows is at least five, right? So you have comfort knowing that God cares about you twice as much as he cares about Penny. <laughs> no, nah, that's not true. It might be. I don't know. No, nah, that's not true. All right. But who, who knows memes? Oh, man. They, they get me, you know? When they first came out, I was like, here's a trend I can, I can grasp onto. So let's hit it. Uh, who's seen that one before? I have. I love them. All right. Next one. Yeah, keep going. Oh, that one, that one gets me. Yeah, go again. That happened to me today. Oh, yes. Restart now? No way. Yeah. Oh, man. Man, that gets me. Oh, yeah, 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 okay, go again, I don't know, oh, who said that, that's pretty funny, got ya, that's pretty good, <laughs> okay, cool, yeah, that's it, alright, I love those things. Why do you guys laugh at that, do you reckon? Because it's funny. No. Penny. Oh. I'm stretching my arm, sir. Um, relatable, so we get it. We're like, oh, yeah. But why else? Who, who knows what those memes are called, those stream of memes? What? First world problems. So I reckon it's funny. <laughs> All right, <laughs> something, something keeps funny is happening to do with Josh, which means it's probably racist, which is even funnier. No, it's not. All right. <laughs> oh, oh, I just got it. Okay, all right. Zen, hourglass, hourglass. Concentration. There we go. All right. So the second reason I reckon they're funny is because it's first world problems. Like, it's like, oh, these people, like, they're, they're, they're so devastated. Like, that chick's just streaming with tears, makeup's going everywhere. They're just, like, heaps devastated about something that we're like, that is so trivial compared to nuclear war kind of thing. Um, any, anywhere else in the world, much bigger problems going on than here in Western society with our remote control on the other side of the room. So there's, there's, there's a realness to them as well. Anyway, hopefully that helps a little bit, but it may not. I just really like them. So, as we look through this passage, get your Bibles ready. Um, I, I, these days, found out that I don't have an NIV, NIV Bible, so I've got a printout here. So keep your Bibles ready, because mine's right there, and ready to rock. So the first thing Jesus says, it's Jesus talking to us, is that God is someone to be feared over anyone else. Let's read it, verse 4 and 5. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, 
and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after the body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Jesus, he, Jesus tells us here to not be afraid of people, but rather be afraid of God. He basically says, fear someone who deserves to be feared. So what makes someone deserving to be feared? I reckon, I've been thinking about it, it doesn't take long to think about it, I reckon it's someone who has power and influence. So on the one hand, you have people described in verse, one, uh, verse 4, I should say, those who kill the body. And, um, so that's group number one, those who kill the body. Jesus also says, after that, they can do no more. Full stop. The other person you've got is him who, after your body's been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. So two different people. And the him here is talking about God. God has the authority to judge and to send us to hell. Who has the greater power and influence? People here now who can kill you and that's it? Or someone who, once you're dead, has control over where you spend eternity? So it makes sense to fear God. Uh, so imagine this. Who are you going to fear out of these two people? Simple game. You've got Emma Watson. Who's that chick? Oh, yeah, I remember. And Mike Tyson. Who are you going to fear? It's clearly going to be Hermione Granger because she's got magic. But magic doesn't exist. So you're going to fear Mike Tyson. Why? Because he, he has greater influence over you. Who are you going to fear out of a little girl or your little sister, in my case, or the president of the US, Barack Obama? You can see that the person's influence... As that increases, the greater fear you have of them. Because they have power and influence to hurt you. You fear Tyson because he's got a nasty hook and he bites people's ears off. And so you fear him, right? You fear what they're capable of doing to you. So what Jesus does here is he takes the people that we think big, let's just go with the illustration, he takes the Tyson, he takes the Barack Obama president of the US, and he turns them into two-year-old little girls compared to who God is. And he does this by saying what we've already read, what we've already said, they have the power to kill you. They have the power to do all sorts of things to you here and now, but only God has the power over your eternity. And when you think of the next 80 years, if that, 40 years, could be tomorrow, who knows? When you think of that time, it's laughable as to think of their influence over you. So Jesus says, fear God, because he's got heaps more influence. It's influence over your eternity, your forever. So fearing God, it may be a concept that you haven't really heard of before. Maybe you've been around the traps not long and you're just like, God is love and that's all I know. Why do we fear him? Aren't we supposed to be running to God into this ball of love and not away from him in fear? It's a very good question to ask. And our fear of God doesn't look like that. It doesn't look like running away like we would a Tyson. It results in an acknowledgement of who God is, an understanding of who God is, and we act accordingly. It results in a respect. You've all got those people in your life who you've just always grown up and they're bigger than you. Um, you think that they can hurt you. And as you grow up, it still feels that way. 
It's just the respect and reverence that you have for that person. And it often happens between a kid and a father. You can think of it that way. There's love in that relationship, definitely, but there's also like a healthy fear, healthy respect, so that you don't mess with them. Because there's consequences for that. It's the same with God. Um, We need a healthy fear of Him, a healthy respect, so that we don't walk all over Him, so that we respect Him to what He's due, so that He doesn't unleash on us what we know He can. And what we're told here, He does, He can do. Um, Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is understanding. Um, So the beginning of where we understand life, the beginning of where we can put ourselves, the beginning of how we can behave in life is to do with fearing God. It gives us perspective. So what Jesus has said so far, it's cool, taking it in. It'll only make sense for you if you, A, I can believe God exists for starters. It's a pretty good place to start. B, believe that there is an eternity at stake. And C, believe that God has the power to influence that eternity. So for you, right now, what you need to do is you need to figure out whether a God exists, whether he's to be feared, and whether he has the power to influence your eternity. And that might be where you're at and where you need to pursue. Um, that might be heaps of you. might be all of you. Or you might be someone who knows there's a God, but you don't fear him. And this fear thing just seems weird. How might you know this is you? I reckon it'll come out in how you relate to God, how you live. Do you live out of fear of Him or are you living for yourself and concerned and not concerned with God at all? So this is probably uh, you living in a way that banks off the character of God that you think you know, the God that doesn't actually exist, that's not to be feared at all, that doesn't have any power, that's insignificant, that is just a ball of love and you run to. God is love, but we know that he can judge and he does judge. He's not our homeboy, let's hang out, Jesus, and do whatever I want with my life. It's a Jesus that, a God that deserves respect. So that might be you. You might walk all over God and you think that you're living with him. You need to repent of this. That's the first thing Jesus says. The second thing Jesus says is that if we fear God, so God is to be feared, if we fear Him, we don't need to fear anything or anyone else because God cares for us. So let's read it, verse 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten by God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows. Um, so, what we've looked at so far, God is to be feared. Uh, as a result, we should fear Him. But Jesus here says that God loves us. And I really want you to hear that, that God cares and loves for you. It's the worst thing to hear something like this and go 100%, oh my gosh, God hates me. But it's good to hear this because you're not thinking 100%, I can do whatever I want because God's too loving. He can't do anything about it. And that's such a comfort to know that he does care and that the one who we fear out of good reason is not out to destroy us but out to care for us. 
So the fact that he is more powerful than anything else, and that's why he deserves to be feared, and the fact that he cares about us means that if we have a right fear of him, we don't need to fear anything else. And it's pretty simple when you think of it. If, I don't know if you're scared of Emma Watson at all, maybe she is pretty crazy, but let's say you're not scared, you're particularly not scared when Tyson is your dad and he's standing behind you, right? It's a simple confidence in who is on our side, who cares for us. And what Jesus says here is even if the worst people you can think of are standing in front of you, you still shouldn't fear him because of how big the dude is who cares for you. God is our father, he's our dad, and he cares for us. Check it out, verse 6 basically says, Sparrows are worth nothing, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. You are worth more than sparrows, so don't be afraid. That's what Jesus says. He uses this contrast, right? He says, if this is true of God and sparrows, God and birds... And then he says, birds aren't worth anything. How much more true will it be uh, that God cares for you because you're worth more? God is so intimately involved that he knows the number of hairs on your head. So how is it then that God would not protect and take care of his children, those he cares about? So we don't have to fear anything else because we've got a God who's powerful and caring for us. It just makes sense. I hope it makes sense. But it is important to note here that Jesus doesn't say, God cares about you, he's powerful, so you can be confident that you're going to live an awesome life. That is not what Jesus is saying here. He cares for us, but he also says, you can be killed, but don't fear that. He says, don't fear that, fear me, and you'll be sweet in the long run. That's not talking about here and now. So maybe you're sitting there going, yeah, they can kill me. That's a pretty big deal. What the heck is this dude saying? What the heck is Jesus saying? Don't worry, they can only kill you. Well, perhaps you're someone who needs to learn of the significance of eternity and the insignificance of now. This might be what you need to take away from this. To understand what Paul says in Romans 8.18, you can look it up, I'll read it up. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Paul says it's not even worth comparing. Don't even do this. Perhaps your perspective is the wrong way around. Perhaps you're really living heaps selfishly, like the people in the memes that we see. In the end of the day, it is selfish. They're concerned with themselves and nothing else. Ask God that you would gain that he would remind you of a perspective of eternity and that you'd repent of your selfishness. Or perhaps you just don't understand eternity. You don't get it. And you just need to ask God that he'd give you that perspective. Just ask him and he'll give it to you. That's the second thing. The third thing and last thing that Jesus says is this stuff really matters. He comes out really clear with that. He says that If we associate ourselves with God now, he will associate himself with us when it really matters. But if we don't, it's an unforgivable crime. Let me, that's a lot of words, but let's read it and unpack it. Verse 8 I tell you, 
Whoever publicly acknowledges me before others, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But whoever disowns me before others will be disowned before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What Jesus does here is he pulls together a whole bunch of what he's been saying. Uh, Basically, he's saying that those who fear God, those who have firstly acknowledged that God should be feared, then fear him, which results in them not being afraid of anyone else so that they can speak in public of God. Those people who acknowledge God in public, God will acknowledge them on Judgment Day. That's what's going on there. Jesus takes it even further when he adds, but whoever denies me in front of men, whoever doesn't recognize this and this and so results in denying me, then he will deny us in front of the angels of God. This is when fearing God becomes epic important. This is what verse 5 is talking about when it says, fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. That's when it really counts. Jesus puts the pressure on something chronic. And he, he, he kind of describes this picture of us standing in front of God. Imagine it, you're standing there before God. He's about to make a judgment. He is the judge, a judgment which you deserve. And left to yourself, you deserve hell. And God has the power to send you there. You need to get in your head that you will certainly, certainly be sent to hell. So many people think the opposite. I will certainly be sent to heaven. No, you will certainly be sent to hell. I will certainly be sent to hell. Except that Jesus steps in and takes our place. Except that is some language of the text. You've heard Jesus taking your place. Except that Jesus acknowledges us in front of his Father. Acknowledges us in front of the person who can make the judgment. You see, we've committed a crime against God. We've rejected him. It has a punishment. And the punishment is being sent to hell. And we will be sent there if not for Jesus. Jesus steps in, takes the blame. If you can picture that right, you can see the weight and importance of Jesus acknowledging us on that day. There is nothing more important. So here's a situation. It's hard to come up with an illustration for this kind of stuff. But you're at school or around with your mates and they're just acting in a way that is not fearing God, that's denying God, that's just living for yourself. Just think of it that way. Just doing stuff that you guys want to do that's against God. We do it every day. It's not hard to imagine. Then they turn to you and they go, come on in, join this, it's sick. You're met with a decision. Do you go with the flow? It's the easy option, yeah. You join in. Or do you acknowledge Jesus and not do what you want and do what God wants instead? So let's imagine for a moment that you do join in, you take the easy option, and it's not just this one decision. We're talking about this in G-Teams. It's not just this one decision that counts, but it becomes, let's imagine it becomes a pattern of your life. You constantly are denying Jesus. You're constantly living for yourself. Fast forward life. It's a quick 80 years to fast forward. And you're standing there at judgment and God delivers the sentence, 
guilty of your rebellion. You turn and you look at Jesus because he's sitting there and he just looks straight through you and, and you're like, Jesus, it's me. Hell, I deserve to be heading that way, not that way. And he just goes, I never knew you. And you get taken away and dragged off to an eternal punishment. That's the picture that we really, really need to dwell on. You've got a classic fear balance happening. Who will you fear more? Not fitting in with your mates, possibly getting bagged out, or the God of the universe and his eternal judgment for making such decisions. What we do matters. So we already, we already know what Jesus would say. He'd say, don't fear that, fear God. Fear what really matters. But it's easy to fear God. Uh, it's easy to fear men. Every day we make decisions that are the easier decisions, that avoid awkwardness now, that avoid persecution now, that just try and fit in now. But the consequences of denying Jesus are so much worse. This, I can just, as I was reading this, I can imagine a scenario of what Jesus would say. And it's along the lines of what he does say, but even if your friends turned on you in that moment, beat you up, I'm thinking school and I'm thinking Greenpoint because I went there, so you've got a tie on, and they take a tie off, they wrap it around your neck in the not, not cool way, and tie you up, hang you on a tree, and cut your toes off, and you're just bleeding out, and they just stand there, and they're just watching you bleed to death out of your toes. Right? Yeah. Let's imagine for a moment that in our easy Western society, that is the punishment for standing up for God. It is far better, Jesus says, that if they brutally murder you that way, it is far better that you fear God because they can only brutally murder you. That's what he says. It sounds stupid, but it's true. They can only do that. God has power over eternity. I'm hoping you're thinking, I'm hoping you're laughing because you're like, oh, my friends would never do that. That is so insane. Good. You have even lesser reason to not fear God. That's what's going on. First world problems. They have so much reason to not be upset as they are. But we are. We just can't get the context of what's going on. We can't get the right perspective. You've got to be driven by the punishment that you can see coming in eternity. Because if you deny Jesus and make a pattern of that and constantly deny him and deny being saved, Jesus says, that's unforgivable. And he will not acknowledge you on judgment day. So I'd like to push this a little further. Um, Here it talks speaking, denying Jesus. I've already talked a little bit about denying God with your actions. Uh, It's heaps, heaps easier to deny God in your actions than to deny God in your speech. It's easy to just not say anything. But it's easy for us to just live a way that does suffer us and doesn't acknowledge Jesus' sacrifice for you. So let me just ask you guys, do you think that your actions don't have consequences? Because Jesus doesn't think that. He puts the biggest consequence possible on your actions. I reckon there's plenty of people in this room right now who live this kind of way. And every single one of us should be battling with this, living, acknowledging Jesus rather than denying Jesus. So I hope 
from what Jesus said that you can gain this perspective. It's not natural. You've got to work at it. You've got to, I don't know, pray for the right heart. Pray for the right perspective to see these things so it can be given to you. I just want to talk for a second to a few people in the room who might be feeling a certain way about this kind of stuff. If you're someone who feels anxious and stressed easy, it's very possible that you can feel anxious and stressed about this kind of stuff, worried that God is threatening you, pushing you into a corner to send you to hell. Let me just say to you that this isn't what Jesus is trying to do here. He isn't saying God is a bully who's out to get you, and he can, so fear him. He's rather saying God cares about you. He wants to care about you. He wants you to respect him, respect his love, respect Jesus and the Spirit helping us understand that so that he can love us and care us for eternity. God is a father who loves us. We just need to acknowledge him as that and respect him as that. So might be that you guys just need to get, get that. Instead of feeling anxious and stressed about this kind of stuff, look into it and enjoy God for who he is. Or you might be someone who's um, a bit concerned about how you're viewed by people, be concerned about peer pressure, personal image, and you don't want to be stereotyped as a Christian. That's the last thing you want. You can't deal with that. If you're someone who feels the pressure that easy, maybe it's a certain lifestyle like drugs and alcohol, maybe you feel peer pressure to be a certain person around your mates, and you're worried that you just are not going to fit in and it's not going to be pretty. Let me remind you again of what Jesus says to that. He says, don't fear that. He says, fear God. He says, God cares for you, so fear him, and you'll have nothing else to fear. You don't have to fear fitting in here and now. It doesn't matter. If you fit in with God, and you fit in with God on that last day in judgment, so that Jesus acknowledges you and steps in, that's all that matters. And if it's a huge deal, come and hang out with me, and we can hang out, and that's sick. So, that's all I've got to say. Please be thinking about this, this stuff. It's heaps important. Gain the perspective and realize God for who he is. Let me pray before we finish. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, um, yeah, I can start my prayer like that to a father who cares for me. Uh, help, help me and help these guys, help us with the perspective of eternity. Help us to understand you as you are. Help us to fear you rightly and so fear nothing else. And help us to live publicly acknowledging you and trusting in your promise so that you would acknowledge us. Thank you that you are our Father. In your Son's name, amen.